Welcome to the 321st edition of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Thank you for listening. This episode is going out early because we are having our webinar this week. Addie Delaney Meinerch and I on Thursday are doing a webinar uh, via Zoom. So it'll be a live cooking demonstration and nutrition discussion, all things fall food. We're hoping to give people idea for fall recipes as well as a demonstration, but we also want to talk to people about fall and the holiday season that is very quickly coming upon us. First thing that happens is Halloween followed by Thanksgiving, followed by Christmas and all the parties that go with both of these. And People tend to overconsume, get forced into eating things that they might not have, give up, fall off the plant-based wagon, so to speak. So we want to give some helpful tint- hints on how to navigate these times. You know, we're all species that, you know, Homo sapiens were made to be with each other. And that's one thing that was bad about COVID as far as the isolation goes and not being able to congregate and eat and celebrate and laugh with people. And now that things are starting to open back up, you know, we can get together and share food. And that's another thing that's unique about Homo sapiens versus other apes is that we share our food and we want to share our food and our recipe with people. And we get feel hurt if people don't like our food. And we feel hurt if people don't want us to eat with them. Um, and nobody wants to be an outcast, but let's face it, trying to be healthy is not something that necessarily attracts a lot of attention. Because people like to put their head in the sand when it comes to food, eat what tastes good, feels good, comforts them, and worry about their health after the meal. We think that you can do both, and we want to educate you on how to do both, how to socialize, eat, and be happy, and have others be happy with what you cook, and ultimately be healthy for everybody. So that's what our webinar is about. You need to go over and get your tickets, though. DrDelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y.com. And the tickets are $25 apiece. You can you, you get the live Zoom, um, and then it will come recorded to you. You also have a Q&A afterwards, and you can email Addie and I for the next week and ask questions about um, what we talked about. We'll also send you the recipes that we do that night. So I know you'll under, uh, I know you'll enjoy it. We look forward to meeting people and talking with people um, on the Zoom during the conference. It's always a great way to to um, to get to know more people. I know with the podcast, I sit here and talk to the computer and the cat. Um, and sometimes I see people and say, "Oh, I like the podcast," and it's like it's it's it makes me feel good. Um, you know, while I'm at it, you can go on over to iTunes and give me a five-star rating. That will help get that or that word out. But nevertheless, it's always good to hear that you like what I'm uh, speaking about. And I'd like to keep it coming, but it's also nice to, nice to get to meet you. So the Zoom conference is a great way to do that. I'm going to talk about one thing during this shortened podcast, and it's something that bothers me, and that's a calcium score. And there was a study published um, out of Korea, looking and it was published in the uh, Heart British Medical Journal, and it looked at physical, act- I'm sorry, activity, 
and the progression of calcium, coronary artery calcification. Now, as many of you have heard and read about, if you do a CAT scan looking at the heart that specifically looks at the calcium in the coronary arteries, that has been associated with the presence of cardiovascular disease and the potential for future cardiac events. I always talk with people about, so what do we do with the test? The idea behind the test was to be able to diagnose coronary artery disease at a younger age and intervene. But since we know that in the absence of an acute myocardial infarction, intervention with a stent is not going to save lives or decrease angina, then what might we do with the information if someone has a positive calcium score? We could infer that they have coronary artery disease. We know that calcified plaques are more stable. It's the soft plaques that tend to rupture and cause acute heart attacks. The the calcified, just like a scar, is a stable plaque. But the inference is that if there is a stable calcified plaque, then with it or near it might be an unstable soft plaque that's not picked up. So by having a positive calcium score and doing a heart catheterization, you could find the potential for an unstable plaque. What would you do for the information? I would tell people to exercise and eat a whole food plant-based diet and get their cardiac risk factors under control. Reverse diabetes, get a normal body mass index, get your blood pressure under control, get your heart rate under control. I would tell you to do that whether or not you had a positive calcium score or not. There's also some data that as people change their diet and become more healthy and and plaques tend to stabilize, there can actually be an increase in calcium score. So again, it's not like we can do a CAT scan that has the radiation of a couple hundred chest x-rays and tell you that you have coronary artery disease and then do something and then follow back up and say, good. You got rid of your positive calcium score, and we can go on our merry way. That doesn't happen. So this study, again, looked at what happens to people that are active over the years that have a calcium score done. It was a prospective cohort, both females and males, that were with they, they did not have a diagnosis of coronary artery disease. They were followed from 2011 to 2017. There were three groups of people, inactive groups, moderately active, and then health-enhancing physical activity. These are the people that exercised uh, vigorously uh, for several hours a week. So these are your marathon runners, you know, more of your endurance athlete, triathlete type of things that really are into exercise. Uh, Moderately active, pretty much met the American Heart Association standards. Inactive people were, for the most part, couch potatoes. And they looked at 25,485 participants. Um, they, um, they had to exclude a few here and there um, because of diagnosis of coronary artery disease. They determined how much exercise they did by a questionnaire. They also looked at family history, diet, alcohol use, education, family history, diabetes, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, They did have a body mass index measured, um, 
and that was how and that was basically how they were followed and they they got the um, calcium score what happened was that as these people were followed there was actually an increase in calcium score in the people that exercised the most so compared to inactive people there was an increase in the calcium score both in the uh, moderate and the severely active or the health enhancing physically active people so the question is does exercise give you coronary artery disease or a lot of exercise giving you coronary artery disease and before you put your nikes on ebay to sell them in no way did the researchers conclude this nor has anybody concluded that exercise causes coronary artery disease if anything it causes the stabilization of a coronary plaque from a soft plaque to a hard plaque the other interesting thing was the people that exercise the most tend to be older also tend to be males tend to be smokers tend to have other risk factors when there have been previous studies done, you know, with 130,000 people, higher physical activity was associated with a decrease in overall cardiovascular mortality and overall mortality. The Cooper Clinic study with uh, people with a four, greater than 400 calcium score still had a lower activity uh, mortality when they exercised the most. So, you know, what's causing this? One thing um, can be said that if you are exercising and your heart's beating more and you're pumping blood down arteries that may have plaques, um, is that turbulence causing more damage and more calcifications potentially? Could it possibly be that, um, you know, people, again, came to the study with soft plaques that may not an asymptomatic coronary artery disease? That's uh, somewhat my thinking is that, um, you know, I look around and people don't eat a very healthy diet. Even people that exercise a lot tend to not eat a tremendously healthy diet. And as I've talked before on the podcast, there's a lot of people that use exercise as a means or, you know, I enjoy exercise, so I'm going to run marathons, I'm going to do triathlons, and by doing that, I feel good, my weight stays okay, therefore I can eat anything I want. This study would imply that that's probably not the truth, that coronary artery disease is present, but again, the plaque may be more stable when you exercise. It also comes down to the question, and, and I, I, I bring this up, and, you know, there's probably going to be some debate about it, but are calcium scores, CT calcium scores of the coronary arteries a lot like mammograms? You know, the calcium is somewhat of a smoking gun. Where there's, you know, where there's smoke, there was fire. Where there are calcium deposits in the breast, microcalcifications, it's often in places where there may be intraductal carcinoma in situ. And when this is seen, you know, uh, traditionally there have been breast lesions that have been missed. And so people don't want to miss anything. So microcalcifications have led to biopsy, even if there wasn't a mass. And so there's just this blind um, biopsy and you find some abnormal cells and we treat it, but it doesn't really make a difference in the long run. And in most cases, it, it really doesn't uh, in, in breast cancer. The mortality from breast cancer really hasn't changed despite this earlier and early diagnosis. So 
do we irradiate people's heart with calcium scores or follow them when what we're going to really do is change the diet and lifestyle to start with? I think the reason why there were older people had the highest calcium scores in this study is most of the time when people, you know, get into their mid-40s, maybe 50s, they realize, hey, I got to change something. Maybe it's even a little bit later. So they do this radical change, you know, of um, my followers, for instance, uh, are, are mainly people, you know, 40 on up. There's not a lot of people that are young that get on the I want to my health bandwagon because they feel good. Um, how could anything be possibly wrong? It's not until you get a little older then you start to recognize, hey, my friends are having heart attacks, or I know somebody with a heart attack, and you want to, you know, I think I better change. So it, you know, it's it's very understandable that people that exercise a lot and get into uh, endurance sports tend to be older. If you look at age group athletes, you start to see that you know um, there's some early some young people that are very competitive up front, and then there's this big long gap while people are having their kids and doing other things in the 30s, and it's not until the mid 40s where people come back and start to exercise vigorously and get competitive again. And then this lasts until the 60s and then drops off dramatically. So, um, you know, again, I think this is a great cause for um, us to look and recommend to young people that, no, you're not invincible. You're growing soft plaques right now. If you continue to exercise, you'll turn them into calcified plaques. What that may mean down the road, we're not entirely sure of. Uh, We're pretty sure that exercise is protective, but why do you want to have to protect coronary artery disease when you could prevent it in the first place? So this is another case in point where exercise is good to improve cardiovascular risk and, and mortality, but not necessarily reverse disease. It may stabilize disease, but not reverse disease. You know, again, I would infer that uh, we'd like to prevent disease and certainly stabilize disease if possible, but I think this is another reason to focus on um, our relationship and nutrition. And, you know, it's again, it's football season, and you see, you know, all the Papa John's and the different pizza places and all the stuff this and stuff that, and the Doritos. You see it on the news of how people are making these, you know, greasy, oily, oily things and saying, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It, it does matter. It, it matters from the very beginning of what you are eating, uh, whether you're 5 or you're 17. We know that people, the earlier they have weight problems, if you have weight problems as a child, you are going to have weight problems as an adult. It's very difficult to turn that ship around once you're an adult. It can be done, but it requires tremendous amount more focus and dedication than if people eat right from the get-go and don't develop um the chronic lifestyle diseases at a young age. So I'm going to end the podcast on that note. And again, I hope you join Addie and I on Thursday for our webinar. Webinar, And we're going to talk a lot about, uh, you know, metabolic health and going into the holidays and, and what it means to overindulge and overimbibe and what you can do, vibe, and what you can do to, um, you know, navigate, navigate through the holidays healthy, happy, and interacting with other people.
So, spoiler work, spoiler alert, we want people to get outside and we want them to eat healthy and we're going to show you how to do it in a, ver- in a style that you can be proud to show your pictures at your family gatherings. So, see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening.